Hi, everybody. Welcome to Radio 815. I am your co-host, Matt Crandall, here, as always, with Marcelo Inostroza. We are in our season two premiere. This is the first episode of our second season of this podcast dedicated to J.J. Abrams and his his works, his bad robotness. Uh, we are in the middle of Alias, is what we're talking about. So... Last season on the podcast, we got to the season premiere of season three to kick off this new season of the podcast with episode 16 um, in the new year, 2021. Happy New Year, everyone listening. We are taking a look at Alias season three, episodes two through ten. Um, so basically, season three, episode ten was the fall finale um, where a lot of big stuff happened, and we're going to talk about everything that came after the premiere. The premiere was written by J.J. He didn't write any other episodes in this batch. Um, so from 2 to 10, no J.J. Abrams. He was still, you know, he started to move on, so he wasn't as hands-on with this season. And honestly, watching these episodes, I could feel that. Marcelo, what did you think? I, um... I really, if there's something that I liked about uh, the first uh, the first half of Alias season three is I liked the the interplay between um, Jennifer Gardner and the actress who plays uh, Michael Vaughn's wife, mm-hmm. and I really liked her uh, uh, her overall struggle seeing Michael Vaughn interacting. Uh, uh, with his wife. Although I, I must mention that for me, that's kind of cheating because uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm obsessed with accents mm-hmm. and you just give me a blonde girl with a British accent and I'll just be putty in your hands for like ever. <laughs> so, uh, but, but with that being said, with, with my hormones being out of the way, um, I think that the actress who played Vaughn's uh, wife did a wonderful job, and I really liked the 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 strain that she that that she um, that she had to go through with Vaughn when um, when you know Vaughn had to confess to her that he knew about you know you know he knew that Sydney was the one that killed that uh, Russian uh, diplomat. I really liked the strain that that put. On their relationship. Also, I like the fact that she's very, very devoted to Vaughn, obviously, but she's very, very devoted to her husband at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, I thought their dynamic was really, really wonderful. And yeah. the last thing that I really liked was seeing uh, um, Sydney suffer um, through, you know, you know, uh, throughout this first half because. I know what it feels like to want someone so bad and not be able to have them, mm-hmm. you know, because I, um, I feel lack of a better word, fell in love and, and, and I said something to someone, uh, and she rejected me. And, and to, to this day, um, I still have dreams about her. I still think about her almost every day. So I, I really identified with Sydney's pain in her plight mm-hmm. throughout, uh, this season, but to uh, bring it all back around to your point, Matt, I like the fact that they kept putting little bits and pieces throughout the first half as to what 
happened to Sydney and who was responsible for her disappearance. But with that being said, I thought this this first half was it was fine, but it wasn't it wasn't that great. It was no, <laughs> it was fine. I'll just I'll just say that it was fine. Yeah, you know what? They tried to shake up the show. So Sydney has amnesia. She doesn't remember the two years where she disappeared. The dynamic between her and Vaughn is different because Vaughn is now married. So their romance is put on hold. Um, and even the dynamic at the CIA with Dixon calling the shots um, is different because Sydney and Vaughn, even when Vaughn comes back to the CIA, they don't have as many missions together. Sydney's not really going on missions with Dixon because he's the head of the thing now. Um, and even Jack doesn't have that much to do because he's playing cloak and dagger, trying to cover up that he knows that Sydney murdered this guy in her missing two years. So the dynamics of everybody in the show changed. So it doesn't quite feel the same as alias that family mentality that we really got a lot of in season two falls by the wayside. Cause we don't even know where arena Jarevko is and the Rambaldi stuff up until I think episode eight, um, like the brakes have been pumped on that. They didn't even mention the guy because it's all just about where was Sydney? What did Sydney do during these two years? But filling in those gaps isn't as interesting because Sydney doesn't have any emotional knowledge of where she's been and what she's done. So as she finds out what has happened, it's like she's reading a book about a stranger. Um, so even when we find out like these tidbits, it's like, oh, oh no, I'm so upset that she did this or that happened. But it's not on the same level of intrigue or I'm not as invested as I was in all of that, you know, family of spies on a mission in season two, which kind of threw off the, the pace of this first batch for me. It, and even from, I would say, episode two to seven, you know, in the first two seasons, every time an episode ended on a cliffhanger, I was like, oh my God, I got to watch the next one. And from episode two to seven, I'm like, eh, yeah, okay, I'll keep going. But there was no like real, even when it was a cliffhanger, like the hooks didn't, didn't land like they used to. Um, now episode eight, nine, and 10 of this batch is where stuff really started to sort of take off for me. They bring back Rambaldi. They, they throw Sloan into the mix as a good guy working with the team, which, you know, is something that we didn't think was ever going to be possible. And then they add, you know, this finding out about Sydney's past and bringing back Allison, the evil doppelganger, bringing back Will, having David Cronenberg uh, show up as this whacked out scientist who has such shades of Walter from Fringe that I was like, oh, my God, this is very, very much, you know, where they sort of went later with other shows um so that was interesting and as you mentioned melissa george as lauren reed vaughn's wife uh for me one of my most hated tv characters of all time the way you feel about sloan is how i feel about her can't stand her absolutely hate her and um i wish that they had actually if i was going to armchair direct that character it would have been so much better if they introduce this new agent 
and she's nice to Sydney and helps Sydney. And it's not till like three episodes later that we find out it's Vaughn's wife. Have have us actually like her, have her be nice to Sid, have that relationship start to form before we find out this vital information. But as it happens in the show, Sydney meets her and within 30 seconds, they're like, oh, by the way, this is Vaughn's wife. Her and Sydney have a clash where she yells at Sydney in a meeting. And then we also see Lauren being rude to Vaughn about his reports and he's trying to smooth things out. But in those first couple episodes, she's just nasty, like mean, (laughs) which doesn't make me care for her, which then makes me hate her and wishes that, you know, I I don't see how Vaughn fell in love with this woman because she doesn't have the charm or the heart of Sydney Bristow. I was actually waiting until uh, something came along in this podcast for us to disagree. And I thought that I thought that fringe would be it. But uh, Lauren, Lauren, is is it here? It is. Um, I read her character as someone who had been thrust into a situation that she didn't ask for. For sure. Uh, She sort of just fell in love with someone who had something awful happen to him in his personal life. So her reactions, at least to me, were a bit were a bit high strung, a bit dramatized, but for me they were all valid. And the and the and the way that she uh the way that she showed off being threatened by Sydney in some way really worked for me. I mean I, I understand if you if you don't like her for whatever reason, but for me her character worked for the most part. And I'm sure there are lots of people like you who she worked fine. And that was obviously their intention. But even when she discovers that Sydney was the assassin in that Lazare murder or whatever, and Vaughn says, like, like, do not, do not give this information to the NSA because those guys are just going to do the wrong thing. And like, let's find a way to get to the bottom of this. She can't, she doesn't trust Michael because she thinks that his feelings and his love for Sid are getting in the way. So she almost out of spite, like has already followed protocol, even though, you know, she knew it was going to upset him. And then that ends up being the wrong, the wrong call. And she does come around by the end of these episodes. And she sort of apologizes to Sydney. Sydney punches her in the face and then helps her up um, where they're kind of saying like, okay, we can start again. And I think that going forward, the character might be a little bit more likable, but it really just, I was like, oh man, every, every turn, this lady is doing stuff that annoys me. And, uh, I just wish that she was more endeared to me before she became kind of like the goody two shoes snitch who wouldn't even trust her husband because she thinks that he's still hung up on his ex-girlfriend. I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, but the fact that she eventually did end up snitching on Sydney, to use your wording, yeah. really, uh, uh, really worked for me because it showed that she really believed, she really believes in the system that she works for. Mm. Um, and also I love that, I love that friction that it caused with Vaughn when Vaughn, uh, ended up, you know, chartering a secret plane for Sydney to go to, uh, Rome, you know? Yeah. So that whole thing, and then her finally coming to her senses and eventually being the one that helps that, you know, 
of her eventually coming around on Sydney, for the most part, I liked and I appreciated. But I, I, I completely understand where someone like you just wouldn't, wouldn't vibe with that. Um, the one thing that I did find interesting and one thing I did find curious is that um, when Sydney, you know, her first couple days back, or, or you know, her, her first couple episodes back, uh, they they almost try to develop this relationship between Sydney and Weiss. I thought that was really charming and really cool. Yeah, I think Weiss was kind of like the uh, because because she has no friends anymore. He was the go to guy for for her friendship. So like. You know, she used to hang out and drink wine with Francie and Will, and now they're both off the show, so that person is Weiss, which was awesome to have Grunberg be that guy for, you know, the limited time that she got to relax and, like, hang out. thought that was awesome. Still, still, with all that, with all the positive things I just said about Vaughn's girlfriend and and the relationship between Weiss, I really feel, I really felt underwhelmed with this first half. There was, there was... Nothing really that, like you said, uh, you know, with season one and particularly season two of Alias, when the episodes ended, you were like, you were like, I got to click on the next one. And for me, I was like, here, I was like, eh, I have to watch the rest of this because I got a show to do about it. But if I didn't, I would have probably, I wouldn't say left the show, but I would have taken a break. I would have skipped a few for sure. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I. I really wasn't feeling this first half there. And, you know, like I said, for me, it started to pick up towards the end. There were a few moments in a few episodes. Um, Marshall is really funny in his limited screen time throughout this. He's they still have that great humor for Marshall. So whenever he shows up, he always makes the best of his scenes. Uh, And one of my favorite, like, over-the-top, ridiculous, but so kind of Mission Impossible-esque things was in episode four. Um, with That's the one with Justin Thoreau and Clifton Collins, where they are auditioning Sydney to be part of their team, and they make her do a heist. Um, and she has to go and get that necklace, and they call the cops on her before she's even left the car. And... Uh, where she steals the necklace while this woman is sleeping there, then walks onto a balcony, rips off her disguise. She's wearing a bikini, does a perfect dive 800 feet into a swimming pool and gets in the car with the necklace around her ankle. Um, It was so ridiculous, but it was like one of the only like really fun, goofy kind of like spy heist kind of moments of the season to that point that I really appreciated it, even though it was, it was so stupid, but it was like amazing. That moment uh, was, was kind of amazing and fun to me, but I had no idea until you just said it now that that was Justin Thoreau. I had no idea. I was like, I I, I had no idea who that was. And then, and, and then at the end of that episode is where she leaves Vaughn for dead. And you know, that, felt like a false cliffhanger because we knew there was no way Vaughn was going to be dead. Um, other cool guest stars that kind of popped up, uh, Jaiman Hansu was in it a little bit um, as a character that does come back a little bit more, I think. And um, Richard Roundtree, the original Shaft, was in episode eight. And uh, that guy always just kicks butt. Um, so I did like, like I said, as the season ramps up, 
finally, you know, they bring back the Rambaldi, they bring back Sloan into the mix, which was cool to see Sloan on a mission as a good guy because nobody trusts him, but he, he's doing good. Um, and even there is a moment in the last episode that we're talking about, episode 10, where the dick from the NSA wants Sloan to kill Sid. And then, of course, he ends up having the dick from the NSA killed instead. And Sidney's mad. But we all know that, you know, Sloan actually did her a favor there because that guy was out to get her. I I particularly liked if there was something I like. I liked the, the, the way that Sloan was quippy in, in this first half. Right. Um, I love his like little backhanded quips at Vaughn, Lauren, and even Sydney herself during their meetings. It's like he was like he, he just wanted to get under everyone's skin, and I think that he, the actor who plays Sloan, did such a good did such a good job at doing that. Also, I didn't like um, the 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 reveal that that Sydney is part of a a grand prophecy. I was like, I was like, really prophecy girl, really <laughs> the end of all really come on, come on. You guys, you guys are getting, you guys aren't going to jump to shark yet. Are you right? Um, so I, I, I didn't like that at all, but, um, from what I know, the show goes off a cliff. So with, with that being said, I still, I'm still going to be on the train while the show goes off the cliff, but but I, that's something that I didn't like particularly or appreciate. Yeah, and I just feel that J.J. stepped back because he was doing other things. And so some of the things that make Alias Alias fell by the wayside or got a little bit too ridiculous. And even bringing back Allison to to wrap that up because she gets killed for real this time by the end of episode 10 um, just felt like a why bother if she had just stayed dead it would have been fine um, bringing Will back was awesome because it's fun to see Will and we still didn't know for nine episodes what actually happened to Will and when he comes back you know Bradley Cooper's still just as good as ever but him and Sid uh, get dressed up and he pulls on an accent and stuff but when he kills the double and he said, you know, I've dreamed about killing her and getting revenge. And now I've done it. And like, eh, didn't, it didn't really do anything for me. It's like, okay, well, has Will killed a lot of people? Like up until this point, he was just like an analyst. So I would think that actually committing murder um, is going to be like a game changer for him. But this is like, he never shows up again. <laughs> he He's in this episode and like, this is his right off into the sunset moment which it doesn't feel like that it it really underwhelming return for one episode <laughs> commit murder feel nothing and then we never see him again his reaction uh reminded me of the well this is this is really not anything similar but it reminded me of the way that's that sloan reacted when he had uh, Dixon's wife killed. He even mentions in an earlier episode after he does it, he says, uh, this really brought me no solace. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I thought that having her killed was going to make me feel better. Right. And it didn't. And the way that Phil and the way that, uh, Will just, when he, when he kills the double, the way that he reacts and what he says later, I thought I would 
or he says something to the fact that I thought I would feel different reminded me of of, um, of that particular yeah. scene with Sloan. Um, I did I did like the scene where Sloan got shot. Obviously, you, mm-hmm. you guys know that I was gonna <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, but but then again, I was like, Jack, why don't you just let him die? Why don't you just let him bleed on the table? Like, is he really important? You you guys could introduce some other guy. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't care. Just let him bleed out. Um, the other thing, the other thing that I that I'm really interested with the covenant sort of thing and finding out more about them and finding out um, what they're all about. Yeah. But on on that same note, I was like, if the if a figure from the covenant shows up, um, you know, eventually, I might I might uh, feel differently or feel. Uh, more malice and threat about the covenant, but no, but uh, unless I'm mistaken, what we've seen so far is a bunch of footmen, a bunch of foot soldiers, right? Right. Yeah. And we haven't seen, you know, a, let's say a figurehead for the covenant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if we get to see that eventually, uh, I will be a little bit more bought into the covenant. But I do like the this this specter of a new villain in the covenant, and I did. I did appreciate all the, all the stuff with, uh, uh, I think it was Dave that you mentioned it was David Cronenberg who put uh, Sydney through memory regression, right? Yeah. So I did, I did like that aspect of this first half, but again, I am really a lack of a better word disappointed uh, by this first half. So yeah. Um, so with all that being said, if I had to grade. Uh, this first half, I would give it a, I'll give a C, I would give it a C. Uh, what, what would you give it, Matt, if you had to grade, um, this first half? Yeah. If we're doing letter grades, I would say a C or like a six out of 10 for me. It, um, and even, like I said, JJ wrote the pilot or the premiere, didn't write any other episodes. And even your boys, Kurtzman and Orsi only wrote one. So the rest was all like I, I hate to say, you know, the the B team for Bad Robot, but um you know, we got Jesse Alexander, Josh Applebaum, Andre Nemec, Jeff Pinkner who like kind of took the ball and ran with it and um didn't do as good a job as the team had really been doing the first 2 years uh story and character wise. Like it just it was fine. And even I remember this was the first season um, that like I didn't miss an episode and watched as it was airing. The other ones I had to like catch up on some DVDs and stuff. And uh, remember being so excited and then being like, eh, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and still, all these years later, I'm like, yeah, it's all right. Like I still love Jennifer Garner, and you know the cast is still so good. I'll watch them do anything. But um, they need to shake things up in this back half of season three and find a way to really start making the show fun again. One thing that I am dreading is that I do know that something or someone is coming. Uh, and I really hate this. Well, I don't hate this person. I don't like the concept of what they do. Mm-hmm. It really pisses me off. So I'm not looking forward to that at all. <laughs> okay. Because that's the one thing I remember from Alias and I didn't like it at all. Yep. I thought it was dumb and stupid. There is a lot of dumb and stupid things coming up, that's for sure. 
So, um, I I want to I want to remain positive here. No, that's good for now. Basically, I think we've dedicated more time and thought to these first few episodes than some of the people involved may have. So that is the first half of Alias season three. Next week, we will be back taking a look at episodes 11 through 21. Um, the back half before the big finale. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, hit us up on Twitter, use the hashtag radio eight one five. We will take your comments or your questions. If you have any questions or anything for me, I am Matt Crandall and you can reach me on Twitter at Matt Crandall. Marcella, where's the best spot for them to hit you up? If you guys want to reach me and talk to me about anything, you guys can also reach me on Twitter. I'm at Creek fanatic 88. All right. So that wraps it up. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next time.